White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 609. The White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast is brought to you by people like you, our Patreon.com family. To join the ranks and help us keep the show going, visit www.b5review.com. That's www.b5review.com and click on the button to become a patron. It's the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. Reviewing the entire Babylon 5 series, plus Crusade and everything else. Now here are your hosts, Van Allen Plexico and Andy Fix. All right, we are back. We are back for the end of Season 2 of Babylon 5. This is the White Rocket Babylon 5 Review Podcast. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico, joined as always by my co-host, Andy Fix. Andy, are you there? I am here, Van. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good, and I'm looking forward to talking about a really, really cool season, Season 2. And as we did at the end of Season 1, we are joined by our guest star co-host for this episode, Nathan Laws and Bobby Polite. Gentlemen, Nathan, how are you? And, and introduce yourself real quick. <laughs> well, yeah, um, it's great to be back, Van. Thanks for having me back. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm the host of the 42 cast, which is a show we talk about all kinds of geeky stuff. And uh, I love talking about Babylon 5. So I'm happy to be back here. Absolutely. And we're grateful to have you, Bobby. How are you? And what's up? And uh, tell folks who you are. I, I'm Bobby Polite, a longtime friend of Van's. Help work on the Sentinels books with him, and occasionally co-plot on a few other things. This is true. Uh, just trying to get through the pandemic at this point. <laughs> I feel like we're coming out the other side finally. Are. Oh man, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so, so. yeah. <laughs> How many times has that happened? In the last few years, right? <laughs> I feel like a Markab. Oh, that brings us to season two of Babylon Five, doesn't it? Yeah. So let's talk about the show now. You know what the last son said before it died? <laughs> oh God, we're off to a bad start already. I love it. I love it. Um. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little general discussion here, and then we've got some categories, because our, our listeners always know that Andy and I bring the categories of things to talk about and to answer questions that must be answered. But um, first up, I want to go around the horn and just get kind of general impressions of season two, I guess, by itself, you know, where does it kind of stand for you? What, is it, what does it mean to you? And then, like, kind of compared to season one, we're not trying to, like, you know, talk bad about either one, but just kind of like, how did the show change in your eyes? What, you know, what, what did season two mean as compared to season one? So Bobby, let me start with you this time. What did you think about season two just as a whole and kind of like after coming after season one, you know, was it what you expected and all that? I actually didn't know what to expect because, you know, you, you have a major chat cast change coming into season two. Um, it was still back. I haven't watched it fully in a while I've been reading to catch up and remind myself of stuff, but um, it was, you know, still that hunt and try to find it somewhere. Uh, I was hopeful. I was enjoying it. I was glad it wasn't star Trek. I was ready for something new as usual. Um, I think that coming out of it, I was like, wow, they just, it started rolling. 
In this season, it started rolling. There weren't as many one-off stories, and it was a lot more focused. And I think at some point in there is when JMS basically took over writing and wouldn't relinquish it again all the way until season four. So five, I think. It, it, Middle of five, I think, actually, yeah. Was it when it was whenever the Neil Gaiman episode was? I think that was in five, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that five? Okay. Yeah. Um Amazing. I I I came out of it more excited than I ever was. Before that, I was just like, it's something new. So mm-hmm. I'm excited. I'm it's it's cool to see it that way. But after this, I was like, I'm in. I'm ready. I want to know where this is going. Yeah. So I hear that. Nathan, what about you? So my season two experience was very strange. I had mentioned at the end of the last episode because of how my local station treated it. I actually missed the last two episodes of season one and I actually caught it um, because this is the point when they put it on at like three in the morning or whatever yes. on Saturday nights. Because th- with season one, it was like Friday nights, but it was like 10 o'clock or so something that was manageable. But this was like <laughs> three in the morning, you know, on Saturday nights. And so uh, I just sort of stumbled upon it in the TV listings. And I was like, that's where it went. And so I actually did catch season two from episode one, but huge shock because I had missed the finale for season one. And I was like, I didn't know if Sinclair had actually left at the end of season one, like it wouldn't be until when TNT started rerunning the series from the beginning that I actually got to catch the season one finale. Um, So yeah, completely lost uh, from the beginning, but uh, greatly intrigued as the series progressed, saw that Peter David wrote an episode. And by then I was already a huge Peter David fan from his Hulk run. Um, and so was really excited about Peter David's involvement in the season. Of course he writes two this season. Um, But then uh, I don't know if my local network just like what they did with it, but for like, the middle episodes of the season, I, I couldn't find it anymore. I don't know if they took it off the air for a time. It didn't come back until the final, right? Cause you know how they would do the finale and then immediately yeah. lead on. So I think like the last five of season two were aired sequentially. And then into like the first few of season three it was when I caught it back. So there was a huge chunk of the middle of season two that I missed too. <laughs> um, and so like this season was so weird for me, but I knew every time I could catch it that I was like, this show just like cranked up, you know, <laughs> I thought they had cranked it up to 11 with season two. Of course, that's before I, <laughs> before I encountered the next few seasons, but I was like, I, I liked season one. I even liked the mm. gathering when I originally sure. saw it, you know, when they, when they put it as like the Fox movie of the week or whatever. But like, once we got to season two, it was like, wow, this is not only just an intriguing show. This is an amazing show. And that finale with yeah. uh, Sheridan and Kosh revealing himself and everything. I was like, I, I, I don't know. Like, what to expect from this show anymore because they just keep coming up with amazing decisions, but I am totally here for it. So that's kind of my experience with this season. Yeah. I, and I totally sympathize with three o'clock in the morning. Cause I used to have to, it was on in Atlanta and Bobby can back me up on this in Atlanta, in Atlanta, it was on like three o'clock in the morning on a weeknight. And so I would record it and then take the videotape into work and watch it like at lunch on the VCR at work. That's how desperate and, and, I was. And occasionally it got moved around. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, you had to find it. Yeah. And this was in the pre TiVo type days. So you had to like literally go and find it. You couldn't just set your machine to find it for you. You had to find it. Oh my gosh. It was, a, it was a challenge. Or you had to have somebody who had a satellite dish. who could interrupt the download and catch the download without the commercials in it. Yeah. And, and record oh. that. Yeah, that's there's stories about that in the in the lore of the show back then. All right, Andy, we made you wait long enough. Talk us talk to us about season two. Well, I I remember waiting for each episode to come out because I got totally hooked on uh, after season one. It was you know with the sci fi TV of the time. I mean, we had like 
space precinct and and the the Star Trek shows, which we're starting to get a little tired at this point. So it, this was completely different, and season one floored me. And then when season two took off, you know, I, I missed Sinclair. Um, but when season two started taking off, they focused. I mean, they they still had the uh, the you know the individual um, episodic stories, but they you know they focused on a lot of the background story arc as well, and they kept bringing it more and more forward, and that just blew my mind. Now rewatching uh, recently with uh, with Van. The uh, I, I was impressed with how or or I guess I enjoyed the, the the aspect where the episodes were very similar to the season one episodes. And I, Van and I talked about this a little bit. I, I think it was last episode mm-hmm. um, where I, I I didn't realize there was as many of the the episodic episodes in season two as there actually were. So I thought that was doing the rewatch. I thought that was a lot of fun to get some some more of that that cool uh, episode of the week feel. Yeah, I think they reduced it from 13 in season one to eight in season two, but there's still a good number of them. And what's interesting about that yeah. to me is that for the longest time, sort of like the thing that the fans would say is it's got that big continuity, those those episodes that just flow together. And we've kind of come so far along now that we go back to looking at the, the single episodes as kind of the rarities and the special ones. You know, it's like back then it was the continuity episodes, whatever you want to, the arc episodes that were such a novelty. But now everything does that. So we kind of go back and cherish those little one-offs. It's, it's kind of funny how we've come full circle on that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. As for me, I guess, yeah, I, I agree with what you guys are saying. I... um. And I agree with Andy that there were more single episodes than I expected, and I was warning Andy that it's not over yet. Season three starts out with more individual standalones than you think. Now, season four, of course, it's all one thing, but season three, there's still Exogenesis. There's still uh, A Day in the Strife. You know, those are pretty standalone episodes. Still, There's uh, Passing Through Gethsemane, right? Those are pretty standalone. It's front loaded too, just like season yeah. two was, because most of the standalones are are front loaded. Yeah, yeah. So and and they're important because they build character. You get you get an idea of Londo's personal life, which makes his turn to the dark side that much more tragic. Oh, absolutely, and that kind of thing. So and it makes Jakar's turn to the light side more dramatic. They kind of cross, right? And that's kind of the thing that we saw in this season too, which is one of the things I'm really looking forward to talking to you about tonight. Talking to you guys tonight about is is how. Londo and Jakar kind of evolved in this season from where they were in season one. So, um, all right. So let's go ahead then, unless you guys have any other thoughts about season one in general, uh, we can go ahead and just discuss some of these categories that we have on kind of looking back and comparing and all. So, um, well, first up, Andy, you and I came up with the Orenzento Award first, and then we immediately awarded it to Ari Benzane, the crazy colonel from eyes and we had to actually rename it the Orenzento slash Ari Benzane o- overacting award because you just couldn't leave either one of them out right am I am I right so far <laughs> right yes absolutely so what you and I have though talked about a little bit in the as we've reviewed season two is that there hasn't been an Orenzento or an Ari Benzane really this season has the show. Let me start with you, Andy. Has the show moved away from having those super super scenery chewing overacting guys, or do we enjoy the show so much that we're just not perceiving it anymore? What do you think? 
I think it's a little bit more of the latter because going back over my notes, there were a couple uh, guest stars that really were really bad and chewed up the scenery. Um, Richard Mall, uh, in particular, was one of them, <sighs> and uh, oh, I forget, I, I forget his the actor's name, but the guy that played uh, Amos in uh, The Long Dark was was pretty bad too. He was uh, oh, uh, Murdoch, Murdoch from the A Team. Yeah, yeah, all right, he things up. But I think I think for. But you I don't hire Dwight Schultz out expecting him to overact. I mean, do you? Yeah, that's a right, fair point. Right, and 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 I, I think we discussed that on when when we were discussing this episode that when you bring him on board, that's I mean, you know, you get what's on the tin. So right. I mean that that wasn't t- terribly unexpected. Yeah. But I think that the real winner for for this season was uh, I think we discussed this as well. Uh, Lord Rifa's eyebrows were the overact <laughs> season. <laughs> Yeah, but he's they a have great a, character. He is, but yeah. yeah, those eyebrows should get separate billing and a separate uh, trailer off the set. That's a, <laughs> that's a good point. I'm going to go ahead and amend mine to Richard Mall though, because I forgot he is so bad. Um, I feel bad for him. Um, Bobby, you go ahead and uh, and take your shot oh, at it. So I haven't seen it recently, so I can't. None of that is fresh in my mind. But I will say, when I was reading the synopsis for that episode, and I saw Richard Mall's name, I immediately saw him in that show and went, "No, he just he he he's he's supposed to be this heavy, and he doesn't come across well, and he practically gives up with a mm, okay, I won't do it the kind of yes. thing. It just it just he was written. I don't know how good an actor Richard Mall is. If you've seen The Sword and the Sorcerer, he's pretty over the top there too. So it felt like a phone in from all the years of seeing him in Night Court. Yeah, I just didn't like it. No, I, I think we're agreement on that. Nathan, what do you think about the uh, the Orenzento Benzano Award for season two? Well, see, the problem is, you know, because when I think about overacting, what initially comes into my mind are Londo's three wives, right? Yeah, that's such huge performances, right? It's so over the top. But at the same time, it's not like the Orenzento, you know, Ari Benzane, you know, award because it's not it's not in a painful way because you enjoy <laughs> their, you know, first of all, it's a Peter David episode, so it's incredibly well written, but also right. they're playing off of Peter Jurassic being Londo, who also gives a huge performance. So, mm. you know, it's kind of like the levels seem to be at the right place. So, uh, yeah, actually, Richard Mall, funny enough, was the one that I was going to go with. Although, like I said, my original thought was to sort of consider Londo's three wives uh, for it, this. I think Londo's three wives, I think it was the characters that were over the top more so than the uh, the performances. Mm. Um, the characters were just so awesome and so hilarious. And I think that the actresses for each of them handled their character superbly. Yeah. Well, and it was played for comedy and you get that kind Mm -hmm. of, it almost had a sitcom feel to it in, in a, in a slightly serious way. Mm -hmm. So, um, I just love thinking about that line in season one that Londo has where he's like, these are my three wives, famine, pestilence, and death. Their personalities would shatter planets. You know, it's it's so good. They give you payoff with that episode to that line. I was amazed that, uh, that JMS actually like farmed out the wives episode to somebody didn't write it himself, but that was, he really did save Peter a very juicy, you know, bit of B5 lore to get to create. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, and, and was it Jane Eves, Jane leaves? I always get her name wrong, but as Timov, I mean, mm-hmm. she, you're right that she had to kind of come, they all had to kind of come up to the level of Peter, Peter Jurassic. And 
you can't just be a normal talking person <laughs> and be at that level with him. You have to rise the occasion. Well, that's, I mean, you know, that's what's going on with, with Malari and Jakar. I mean, everybody else is oh. acting and they're doing Shakespeare. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a note too, though. I agree about Richard Maul, but I had a note that there were two, I, Rifa is Rifa and we know, but there were two characters and two actors in this season that I thought chewed the scenery to William Shatner levels, but I loved it. They did not go over. Like Andy and I have talked about how this award is when you go over the red line. These took it. These two guys took it right up to the red line, pushed it to the limit, but it didn't explode. And that was um, John Shook as Drawl, mm-hmm. okay, and who's the second Drawl, and then uh, of course Wayne Alexander as Sebastian slash Jack. Mm. His performance in It Comes the Inquisitor is my single favorite performance in the entire series. Mm. And I adore it. And so, but I mean, they both were like, right, they're right there. And then they kind of reeled it back. So, Um, okay. So I asked the question here, who is the best season two character? And there's a a little bit later on, we're going to talk about who won season two, because we always end with who won whatever. But aside from that, it doesn't have to be a winning, you know, you can be great in loss. So who do you guys have as the best season two character? character andy what do you think uh i have jakar i mean he's my favorite character of the whole series but this is where where uh his transition from you know old shouty nasty jakar to citizen jakar takes place and it it was just an an astounding performance of, of the actor and of the writing um and it just it just made for just such a powerful character he's he was fantastic this season yeah i i there's no doubt nathan what do you think um, I gave it to Sheridan. Um, I have to say that like, one of the big things for me when I was watching this originally was the I thought that uh, Sheridan was such an improvement to the show uh, from Sinclair. And I realized there's a lot of history there and a lot that we've learned since uh, about what was going on um, with uh, Michael. I, I blank on his O'Hare. last name that was yeah O'Hare that was playing um Sheridan uh but but I never quite got into Sheridan like I did with uh or some, I didn't quite get into Sinclair like I did with Sheridan and Sheridan always felt like more of the guy that I was like yes this is the hero that I want for this show this is the guy that seems to have like the level that I want you know Sinclair was more of a statesman yeah this was an action hero and like for this show I felt like it needed like that action hero type character as part of a mix and um so yeah I I really love that they brought him into this that's fair. I always, I guess, I felt like in season one they did try to make Sinclair more of a statesman, which made which made Garibaldi have to carry more of the action guy. Mm-hmm. And with season two, with Sheridan kind of being more of that personality, I felt like Garibaldi actually kind of got minimized. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but I felt like we had less Garibaldi overall in this season. Maybe I'm wrong. Bobby, what do you think about the best season two character? Well, I can't pick one. Um, it's Jakar and Londo. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's amazing to watch. Londo's political star rise as his his personal star falls and if he loses friends and he loses all the camaraderie and the things that he loved he actually loved in in wanting his glory mm-hmm. and then to watch Jakar and his boastful self on all that fall and him suddenly realize the stakes of the game and realize what he has to do and what he has to you know take on in order to save his people 
and and to actually end up going and begging for help from people to save his people and it's just you can't neither one of those stories work by themselves it's 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 happening together as you go along and it was kind of amazing to me because in season one when i first saw jakar i pegged him as a stereotype Oh yeah. Here's the blustery, the I'm gonna tire to the wet railroad track type of villain. And he turns out, like Andy said, he's the best character in the whole series. I mean, I Jakar, I love Jakar. He's he's just amazing. He's got such a transformation. <laughs> I said he becomes Martin Luther King. Um <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there's no doubt. I you know, I think you're right. I had Jakar down, although I did say that Sheridan was awesome by the season's end as he kind of grew into the role. I we all, Andy and I always say he starts out as smiling Johnny. Hey, here, would you like an orange at Smiling Johnny? But by the end of the season, he is the leader that they need him to be. In fact, Jack the Ripper tells him he is the leader right. they need him to be. How can you, you can't, you what can't an endorsement. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Delenn, too, evolves from the, from the sort of enigmatic, bald alien to this really charismatic woman who is affectionate in a way, but also very. You know, commanding and powerful, but I I had Jakar, but I think that um, Bobby. The reason I think you're right, Jakar and Londo absolutely need each other. I think the reason I didn't have Londo when I think about it is because I feel like Jakar got several more opportunities in season two to show that, and Londo really only gets two or three moments. There's like in the coming of shadows, right? There's that moment, and then there's um. The uh, the long twilight struggle where they bombard the Narn home world and he's kind of you know realizing but, what he stepped into. But there's also there's also the episode where he's he's meeting his old friend and ends up having to kill him. Oh yeah, and yeah. There's, nice. there's also there's also where he's basically going and almost begging for Garibaldi to stay in the bar and celebrate with him. Oh, and yeah. Garibaldi says, I'll be back later and, and never shows up. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's all little personal losses that he has. Yeah, you're right. That is absolutely true. Um, you can't go wrong with any of them, but uh, yeah, I think you're right. Um, okay. So I asked the question, most surprising season two character. If you will recall, I think that we more or less agreed that the most surprising season one character was Ivanova, just because she ended up doing so much. And and here's the thing now. I was wondering at the time why I had forgotten how much Ivanova does in season one. And I'm going to go ahead. I'll, I'll go first this time just because I'm going to finish this thought, and then I'll let you guys go. So my thing was I was wondering why did I forget how much Susan does in season one, and it's because she doesn't get to do as much in season two. And kind of you kind of forget how much she had in season one. The the two characters that I felt like season one leaned on a lot were were Ivanova and Garibaldi, and you just don't get as much of them in season two as the story becomes more about the various aliens and the shadows and everything. It takes away a little bit from Susan, and I mean they still get to do some cool stuff, especially earlier in the season with like the geometry of shadows with Susan and the and the Drazi and the purple and green and all that. But as the season goes along, it felt like Susan. And, and Michael got less and less to do. Now, we know they'll still be around and come back and do more in the future. No spoilers. But that was the disappointing thing to me about it. So that surprised me, whereas I think the most surprising character in terms of being on the screen, again, it's Londo and Jakar because of them kind of crossing, their, their narratives crossing. So I'm, I'm actually picking four, which is completely against the rules, but <laughs> I make the rules, I can do that. Now... 
Andy, what do you think about most surprising? And, and you need any thoughts on that about Susan and, and Garibaldi? Because I'm wondering if I'm right or not. No, I totally agree with you. In fact, you and you and I have had this discussion a couple times, and I'd like to get uh, uh, Bobby's and Nathan's input on this, but how interesting would it have been if Babylon 5 stayed like it was in Season 1 with just the episodic episodes without the huge story arc? Maybe the one or two parters here and there, but but just went with you know the, the typical Star Trek type type uh, format when they had um, you know just the, the episode of the week type of deal because I think it, it, it wouldn't have been nearly as awesome as, as what we got but I think it would have been a lot of fun I think it could have been a lot of fun with, with the, the characters that they had like Ivanova and Garibaldi I think it would have been a blast yeah I agree I, yeah I think I think that's probably the case I think over time it probably would have started focusing on Garibaldi and Ivanova because they're the ones who go out and kind of quasi bend the rules to do stuff that makes them more interesting mm-hmm. and Sheridan would have been pushed off as the authority that they have to go around occasionally or the guy who comes in and says stop doing that and then they have to find another way to do it I, it might have right. become more formula at that point yeah, I, I still right. watch that <laughs> yeah no I think it would have been an interesting show and I mean I definitely liked the show at season one but def- but at that time when this show was unique in television for mm-hmm. having stories that evolved over the course of a season, you know, at that time I wanted that show that I was getting that I was like, yes, everything that they're doing to give us one epic adventure, that is what I want. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So as, as far as season two goes, um, for me, it was Delenn because mm-hmm. I remember Delenn, you know, looking back at the series before we started doing the rewatch, I remember Delenn from like, being the the tough as nails uh, stateswoman who could you know take on you know a whole fleet of earth ships that type of thing, I, I wasn't prepared for or and I had forgotten how how vulnerable she was throughout most of the season after the transformation from uh, Minbari to the the more uh, um, the fusion between Minbari and human, she was really raw there for quite a bit where where you know somebody would say the the wrong thing to her and and it would it would set her off emotionally. And I was impressed how she developed as a character. You could see her rebuilding her character bit by bit, especially yes. in in the uh, um, Along Comes the Inquisitor. How she, you know, built herself up to be the the character that we all know and love. So that that kind of surprised me how much how 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 that transition was. Yeah, you know, the thread that you and I have traced this season with Delenn is how isolated and pardon the pun, alienated she became because over a course of several episodes, she went from the most impressive, other than Kosh, the most impressive and and scary, intimidating ambassador to having both the humans and the Minbari basically react with disgust toward her. Like, what do you, like, they didn't just find her weird or whatever, they were both actively insulted by her transformation, right? The humans are like, why are you trying to look like us after you killed a bunch of us? And the Minbari are like, why are you disowning your own people and going to look like them, you know? And that's why they kicked her off the Grey Council. And and then the humans didn't want her. And I mean, one of the things that's so kind of compelling about the, you know, we only get the beginnings of a relationship with Sheridan this season, just the beginnings of it. They're, 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 they're appreciating each other. You know, by the next to last episode, Sebastian says, well, well, a mutual admiration and sacrificial society. That's how far their relationship had gotten. But yet um, 
she needed Sheridan. She needed somebody that when he looked at her, admired her because everybody else that looked at her in season two looked down at her and wrinkled their nose. And it was, it was tragic, you know, in a way to see, because she made this huge sacrifice to help both races and they both disowned her for it, you know, and you're like, man, and that's something I never appreciated when I watched it the first time. Except one person, her rock. Oh, well, Lanier, yeah. He had her back every time. He did. A little little too much back, maybe you might say. (laughs) Yes. Can't argue. Can't argue. So, all right. Did we we cover season two surprising character? Who hasn't gone? Oh, go ahead. Oh, you guys. All right. My bad. Nathan. (laughs) This happens. This this happens. It happens just with me and Andy. You can imagine with four people what I'm going to do. All right. So, Nathan, go ahead. All right. Yeah. So, I I think when I first uh, saw this, I didn't understand. I thought it was like the most surprising, like, new character that we saw in the season or whatever. But now, if we're talking about the main cast, I think it was Londo for me, uh, for sure, because, you know, he was the clown. Right in the first season, like he was the poor clown that was picked on mm-hmm. by the awful Jakar, and suddenly in this season, you see like you know he's he's the person that's riding the bull that's terrified that he's riding the bull, but he knows that if he lets go, he's gonna get thrown, and so that's the that's the whole thing with, with you see Londo increasingly getting like worried about what he's involved with. But he knows that he can't back out. And that, that for me, was, was fascinating to watch this as he becomes more and more ruthless, hating himself more and more. And like you've all said, like becoming more and more alienated from everybody. So he's getting everything that he thought he wanted. And it's making him miserable. Yep. And, uh, and just that whole thing of him, like, in, to the point where he murders uh, his best friend, you know, um, you know all that stuff. Where it's like, I would have... I would have never predicted that from season one, Londo. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this, that that yeah, the most surprising, definitely. Bobby. So for me, it's a character that could have easily just faded into the background. It's not one of the main, exactly main characters. For me, it was Veer, because mm. okay. he he was actually one of my least favorite characters in season one because he's so timid and so just there to be a buffoon and a joke. Mm. But in this. He's trying as hard as he can to be Londo's conscience. He's no, wait, wait. trying to steer people away from, from what they're doing. He's also the first person to walk up to Mordor, uh, Mordor and go, I know what I want. <laughs> walk into Mordor. And, and, and suddenly you, One does that, not. <laughs> you suddenly see that he's brave and he's selfless yeah. and he's loyal, but he's not so loyal like Londo is to his, to his dream and to his republic that he does, has lost his way or his, what he thinks is right. And it really sets up where he's going, which for me was completely surprising as the, I, as the series progresses. I think one of the most powerful moments in season two was that scene with Veer in the elevator with Jakar there towards yes. the end of the season. Oh. And that was Man. just such a powerful scene, and, and that really showed how far Veer's character has come along. Absolutely. Ooh, that was that was tough to watch. Whew, yeah, we just covered that one last episode. That was tough. Mm. Um, yeah. No, those were good. Um, Andy, I did ask you, didn't I? <laughs> yes, sir, you did. All right, I want to make sure. I'll mess these things up. All right, who was your favorite? There are some good guest stars this season. Who was you guys' favorite season two guest star? Nathan, who? let's start with you. Favorite season two guest star? Michael Ansara as the Technomage. 
fantastic performance. And the funny thing is, like, at me, because as a kid, you, you know, I had no idea that that was, uh, I forget his Klingon name, but he's a Kang. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he was, he was the Klingon, you know, commander from Star Trek that I had watched a million times. But wow, that Techno Mage, the character, like all the stuff with, 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 you know, how he responds to Londo and finally giving him that final speech of you know so how he good. sees londo and he's grand and you know the voices cry out and londo's like oh my followers and he's like no your victims. victims and it's like oh such good delivery on that whole is, thing yeah. yeah uh oh god such a great performance uh really wish they had brought him back or, or had a reason to bring him back either in this or crusade because i would have loved to have seen him again oh yeah oh him with galen would have been so nice because in, mm. in the books they're together in the books Galen's like his apprentice. Oh. Galen, yeah, Galen's his apprentice, and they're together in the novels, but you don't see them together in the show. By the way, um, I don't. I, 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 you're right. He was Kang. I always saw him as the evil blue genie from I Dream of Genie, and he used to scare me to death. I was so scared of the evil blue genie, man. Then one day I found out that he was actually in real life married to Barb Reed, and I'm like, this is the coolest man of all time. <laughs> uh, Bobby, you're. Um, your favorite season so I, two guest star. I, I, like I said, I haven't seen the performances recently, so I'm defaulting to Michael and Sarah because he's yeah. Michael and Sarah. I mean, come on. Can't go wrong. I, I could listen to him talk all day. Yes. Uh, he just is just the way he delivers lines. And, and I know that's probably not the greatest thing in the world because overall, I felt that the techno mages in this were a little bit of a tease that never got fulfilled. Right. Um, but I, I liked him being in it. So, yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Andy, favorite guest star. You know, I, I, I kind of pulled a fan on this one, and I got three of them. Um, <laughs> Michael and Sarah has been covered, so we'll skip My over that one. My reputation is ruined. Um, also, <laughs> I thought Jane Carr as Timov was awesome in Soulmates. I thought she was fantastic for reasons we discussed earlier. She was able to play against Londo and, and, or uh, against Peter Jurassic. Um, so she was a lot of fun, and I loved her character too. But I think She was definitely under consideration was, for me. Uh, Mm -hmm. Good, good. So I'm not, I'm not the weirdo here. <laughs> so um, I, I settled on Wayne Alexander from Comes the Inquisitor because he just absolutely nailed that role. And and we just discussed this thoroughly last last episode. But yeah, he took a character that could have been at, in any other actor's hands, just ridiculous and silly and and just annoying, and he made him just a, a, a you couldn't take your eyes off him. No, I, I thought it was just perfect. Yeah, you you guys should know that the high point or whatever of, of last episode, both like Andy and I pretty much agreed the high point was any time Wayne Alexander opened his mouth. That was our high point for that that episode. Um, I had I had I did like like Andy said I had I had multiple ones. I had two. I do want to give an honorable mention to, to William Ford as Lord Reefa. Mm -hmm. I, I I give him bonus points for trying to do his version of Peter Jurassic's a, uh, accent, his fake <laughs> Austro-Hungarian accent or whatever it is, but. I have Michael Ansara. We've His got that covered. Accent. Yeah. And I have Wayne Alexander. And I think I'll probably go with Wayne, so it'll be two to two. Um, just, you know, good luck to you on your holy cause, Captain Sheridan. May your outcome be, you know, oh, just remembered forever as Jack. I just, everything he does is golden in that episode. It's so good. All right, we got one more, and then we're going to thank our patrons and then come back with the last few. So... I have a question here. Who did you miss the most after this season? And what I mean there is several characters and actors leave the show over the course of this season. They get quite a quite an attrition. 
uh, going on. And who did you feel like hurt the most, either you personally or hurt the show, that we didn't get them back? So, Andy, it's your turn to start. What do you think? Uh, I would say definitely Sinclair. Um, I, I still wish we could have gotten the the full arc with with him as as the lead. Um, I I during the rewatch, I really grew to appreciate his acting. I, I remember, uh, like Nathan said, I remember watching it the first time around, thinking, "Man, this guy is just wooden. He's terrible." But I really grew to appreciate his acting um, yeah. through the rewatch, and and I I really like the character um, and his background and all that. So. Yeah, I, I'm still missing Sinclair pretty much. Good deal. Nathan, what do you think? I mean, I just want to follow up just really quick, though, to say, like, with Sinclair, I feel like having seen the original outline that we dodged a bullet, actually, because, like, the whole idea of him, like, having a relationship with the Len and then being broken up and he's just fishing on a planet all alone and that's the end. Like, that was, I was so... Like, I, I, weird yeah i didn't i didn't want that so i'm no. kind of glad that we don't have sinclair or the weight or not fully have sinclair i should say but i, co- the, the I, one co-sign, that I, miss, I co-sign that with you nathan 100 yeah. <laughs> percent. um but the one that i miss is natoff um mm. i mean we get we get the really really whiplashy mary Kay adams performance of natoff briefly in season two uh, but you know, I, I I had to double check and make sure is she supposed to be playing the same character or did Jakar get a new aide? Because you know, it's <laughs> it's like how I mean, you couldn't find anyone that was closer to um, Julie. Oh God, I'm Brown. blanking on everybody's real name. Julie now, Caitlin but, Brown, um, I believe. Yeah, Julie Caitlin Brown. You know uh, that that you went from you know tall like strong woman to short timid woman for Natas, <laughs> but, but either way. She's only in, I think, one episode in season two. Yeah. And then after that, Natoth is just gone. And it's like with all the stuff that's going on with Narn, Natoth would have been like a key figure for all of that. And while maybe isolating Jakar did help the show in some ways, I would have really liked to have seen the alternate universe where um, Julie Caitlin Brown didn't have the bad reaction to the makeup and could have continued uh, with the show because I loved her character. I thought that she interacted with Jakar in a way that was just as cool as how Veer interacts with Londo. And I would have liked to have seen how her character developed through the arc, you know, whereas Veer becomes more of like this great guy that's helping out Narns. It would have been almost interesting to see Natoth become more and more like terrorist or something like that. Like maybe they would have crossed lines too, where she becomes even more aggressive, Yeah, you know? Uh, and so it would have, that would have been interesting too. So yeah. that's a good point. Yeah. Bobby, the, the, oh, the lost Wait, potential of, of Natoth leaving was is really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. It is though the one the one thing though she did come back and um, well I guess it's, it's, I, I, well, we do see her again, but she also mm-hmm. became kind of like an agent and brought all those dragon all those uh, B five actors to DragonCon over the years. So we owe her a big debt. I certainly do because I got to meet all of them thanks to her because she brought the whole cast to DragonCon over the years and that was awesome. Bobby, what do you think about uh, who do you miss the most after this season? I can't believe nobody's picking Warren Keffer. Yeah. <laughs> Andy loves Keffer. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Andy loves Keffer. Yes. And that's, I guess that's kind of the president of, rude of the Warren Keffer Appreciation Society. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I my, my initial thought would be Natoth just because it felt unbalanced without her being there. But at the same time, I don't know that her being there would have added anything more to it. Because she was so aggressive, it would have been just Jakar keeping her in line all the time, I think. Um, 
I don't know. I don't, I don't mm. know. Most of the characters that left, I didn't really miss over time. Even Talia. I mean, it was kind of a shock when she went away, but I didn't miss her. The, the telepath okay. sub story is one of my least favorite things in Babylon five. That's, that's so. true. That's fair. Um, so Andy, a Warren Keffer appreciation society. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I had to say Talia, though, just because everybody knows she was my favorite character, and I was absolutely devastated when she left. But we covered this in our three-hour episode about divided loyalties, we, and we're going to talk about that again in a minute, where I just, I just wept for Talia for an hour and a half of that episode, basically. Um, we got to pause for just a second here to thank the patrons. And uh, I have to apologize to our patrons because I had forgotten – that I had to use a different email address to set up the new Patreon for the for the Babylon 5 show. And so messages they were sending me that I'd been asking for them to send in this, that, and the other, I was like, well, nobody's sending anything in. Oh, they were sending them in. I just wasn't <laughs> finding them. So I have a few things to go through. But let me thank the patrons right quick. If you want to join in the fun and help us to produce this here show you're listening to right now, go to www.b5review.com, www.b5review.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron, and we would really appreciate any little bit you want to help out. Here are the fine folks who are currently supporting this show. Allison Rich, EJ Alexander, Leah G, Rich Hammett, his arms wide, Colonel Dad, Emmanuel Seaman, Michael O'Connor, Stu Parker, Heather and Yancey Steingraber, Ice Cream Clone with the Boba Fett head, and Michael Halbrook. We thank all of you folks so, so very much. Here's just a couple of, a few things that were sent in. I want to run through them real quick uh, because they've had to wait a long time for them. Uh, let's see. Colonel Dad gave divided loyalties in the long twilight struggle, quote, a solid four each. Great performances. Each moves the story arc along and both have a surprise reveal to climax the show. Makes you feel you can't wait for season three. Amen to that. And then after seeing the last two episodes, thanks guys. Now I can't watch Sheridan say, blow them straight to hell without laughing. I'm now officially corrupted. Can you work that phrase into each review episode? Oh, challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we will find a way. We might have have a, a John Sheridan blow them straight to hell award for something or other, Andy. We'll have to come up with that. Um, I like it. I like it too. EJ Alexander said uh, uh, the uh, comes the Inquisitor three point five for the great acting, Wayne Alexander, the dramatic tension in both plot lines, and the cool twist at the end. I knocked off point five. Because thinking about the reason for the interrogation for longer than two minutes makes me realize all over again that it makes no sense and also makes me mad at the Vorlons for their manipulation of John and Delenn. Amen. And then for the, uh, the Fall of Night, 4.5, knocked off 0.5 for all the political stuff, the ships, Jakar, Kasha's big reveal. Oh, gave, gave 0.5 for that and 4.0 for John's apology in the mirror. After all, it's the thought that counts. <laughs> and, and, uh, and by the way, EJ says, I am a she. My name is Emma Jane. Everybody calls me EJ. Apologize. Apologies for confusing you. I'm very easy to confuse, EJ. That is entirely on me. <laughs> um, let's see. And uh, after hearing the last episode, I was driving to work this evening, listening to the episode, and when Van mentioned during the notes sections about the human agent with the question of the Shadows Vorlons, who are you, what do you want connection, I went, ooh, out loud. Good thing I was on my own. Yeah, that, that gets really interesting, doesn't it, when that starts coming up. Um, I got a couple more that I'm going to save 
for our next episode, Andy. So on episode season three, episode one, Andy, we'll have a few more ratings and messages to go through. Cool. Um, oh, that's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited that folks are, are participating. Right. And if I didn't read your question yet, this is just to kind of save time since we got all four of these of us here tonight, and I don't want to keep us all night. Um, all right. Is there anything I had an I had an item here of thoughts on Talia versus Lita and divided loyalties? That's just because I'm obsessed with it. If nobody has anything they really want to say about it, we can move on. Does anybody have something you really want to say about it? I absolutely love Lita. <laughs> I thought she was such an improvement over Talia, who never really <laughs> grabbed me. Make sure so, to not uh, invite Nathan back ever again. Got it. Go ahead. Um, It was interesting because, you know, having followed it from The Gathering uh, rather than the first episode, I was surprised to see her again. And I really, really liked the arc that they went with her. Now, I know that Talia's arc probably would have gone in about the same direction. And so that would have been interesting, too. But I don't know. There's just something about there's just something about Talia that I'm sorry about Lita that I just really really liked her performance um, a lot better where I just felt like, um, and again, I'm blanking on her real name, but I really feel like uh, Talia, like the actress never really had her heart in it um, in the way that I think that, uh, that Lita really like, you could feel like she enjoyed being on the show and doing her part. I can kind of see that. I, yeah, I know what you mean. I, Tali, I mean, because she did go off and become like a TV news, a real life TV news anchor and everything. And so I could see that she was kind of not 100% committed to being a sci-fi actress lady. That that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Any other thoughts about Talia? Lita, I know that, Bobby, I know you were always a big Lita fan, right? Or am I remembering wrong? Uh, I was kind of excited that she came back. But then again, like I said, I didn't really like where the telepath storyline right. went. Right. So I, gave, I got to where I liked her less and less as time went on. Well, yeah. yeah, season five is is painful, but yes. it would have been just as painful, I think, if Talia had been the one with Byron. Oh, so I mean, no, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, or Susan, God forbid, that would have been even oh, worse. Oh God, no! Oh yeah. Lord, God forbid. Andy, did you have any thoughts about that? Are you ready to move on? Uh, I'm ready to move on. I think we'll cover a lot of that uh, with the upcoming seasons. I mean, I loved Talia. Yeah. Uh, um, I thought she was fantastic, and I thought she was beautiful. But uh, Lita, Lita brings, like Nathan said, she brings an enthusiasm to the role that that uh, Talia just didn't have. I, I can't deny it. As much as I love Talia, I can't deny that. All right, um, Bobby, I'm gonna start with you this time. What was your favorite episode from this season? Coming of Shadows. That's the famous one, the award That's, winner. I mean, it's it's the point where it went, and now we're going to completely change directions on you. People's roles on the station are going to change in a dramatic way. We're going to get some amazing acting and and emotional speeches. And by the end, you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, what happened to the show? It's not the same thing anymore at all. So um, I, I remember even to this day being super excited about it. I couldn't wait to get to work to talk to all my friends who were watching it at the same time I was about. Can you believe where that went? You know, so that's that's easily my favorite episode of the season. How will it end? In fire. <laughs> Love it. Nathan, what was your favorite favorite S2? There are so many strong choices for this season um, compared with season one where I felt like there were some choices, but not as many. Um, but I think I'm going to go with The Fall of Night uh, just because... You know, well, first of all, because The Coming of Shadows was one of the ones I missed the first time around, mm. so it doesn't hit as strong <laughs> when you watching it after having already seen seasons three and four and yeah. then coming back to it. Uh, but also, uh, but yeah, just because 
you know, there's so many good things in there. Like, I know that Straczynski pulls a lot from history to inform his future, but I've lived long enough to see that history does actually repeat itself and people mm. do make the same mistakes. And when the guy, like, totally unironically tells Sheridan, we're going to have peace in our time, Ugh. I'm just going like, oh my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> seriously? But at the same time, I totally believe that somebody could do that. You know, like, oh yes, we will appease the evil empire that's, like, crushing everybody. You know, and that's going to be the way to, like, you know, keep everything nice. And and, and, just, and then oh. the Centauri invaded Poland the next day. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> and so, um, or yeah, the, it's fine as long as we have peace. Everyone else can be conquered, but we just want our peace. Unbelievable. But, uh, but, but yeah, seeing, like, the fall, seeing all these things. I would have never guessed the Narn Empire being crushed by the second season yes they were the bad guys they were the aggressors one the world happened to this show Mm -hmm. you know and earth just completely like you know i'm used to the humans always being the good guys like you know the yeah these are the ones we should be rooting and it's like oh earth is not great either no no <laughs> and and, uh, and and the biggest villains on the show, other than the shadows, turn out to be those guys with the hair and the mm-hmm. vests and the bad martial arts moves. <laughs> I was but but yeah. okay. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, like and then ending with the train scene with Sheridan having to jump mm-hmm. and then the cops reveal and then that beautiful scene towards the end where everybody's gushing about how they had some deep religious experience and ambassador malari what did you see oh so powerful and you see londo's fallen so far that he can't see the light anymore (laughs) i can't even see it yeah (laughs) what a great like you know just metaphor for like his character's arc so yeah i i I, that that episode blew me away and totally prepped me for season season three that was tough um Andy, what do you think? Best? Uh, I, You know, I waffled between two of them. I originally had Coming of Shadows for all the reasons that, that Bobby mentioned. Um, it was it, it took us in a direction we weren't expecting at all, and it laid out where we're going or, or what, our, what our plans are. Just get ready for a ride. But I, I ended up going with Long Twilight, long twilight Struggle um, just because of all the, the powerful performances in that one. And to me, it was one of the most Babylon 5 episodes of the entire series. Um, it was just a, a fantastic episode. Um, so, yeah, that, I'm going to go with the long Twilight Struggle. They bombard Narn, and we see Drawl back, right? Mm. Right? Yeah, yeah. Just so people know which one and, you're referencing, yeah. Right, and, and Jakar's, you know, Jakar's exit from the council, mm. um, oh, Sheridan's yeah. discussion with Jakar. I mean, that, that was... That was just a, a uh, Andreas Casalta's just a, a tour de force. That that episode was well, well. That's the same one with like the person from Earth coming in. That's going to like set everything right on the station, right? And 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 then that's when we start seeing that oh oh Earth is things are going bad on Earth. Where it's like we're just redefining terms to say that we've eliminated all the bad stuff, and it's like ooh, this isn't this isn't good. Yeah, that was the Chamberlain character. Peace in our time, right? And it's oh funny, no! I'm talking but, about the woman. The the uh, isn't isn't that the one where the woman from Earth comes and draws in that episode? Uh, oh no, maybe that's a season. Is that a season three? Yeah, I, I think, think you're I thinking think about thinking voices of, of authority. Episode. Yeah, okay. yeah. The but, political officer. That was it. Yeah, yeah voice right, of authority. Yeah, that was, that, was, that comes later. Was, there are yeah. several that are similar, though. It's understandable. I the, the, this is the funny thing that to me that you just made me think of when you reminded me how. Um, 
I can't think of his name. We talked about him a couple of a couple of weeks ago. That plays uh, that plays the the Earth diplomat. He also plays Commissioner Simmons on Space 1999, and he's the reader of the Game of Thrones novels for Audible. So he's been right. around. Yeah, he's he's pretty mm-hmm. pretty cool dude. But um, I like that they had we had Chamberlain there, right? And then Londo is Hitler. Because Londo is a hundred percent. Andy and I talked about this. Londo is a hundred percent doing Hitler in the Reichstag. You know, after they conquer Narn, and it's just hard to watch mm-hmm. how he's up there, just you know, you know, doing all that. So, um, my favorite season two episode, and I wouldn't have said this for sure until after we watched them all just now. I, I I've I've always kind of thought it was Geometry of Shadows, just because I love just the purple green thing is great. But I love the Techno Mages. They're one of my favorite things about Babylon 5 is the Techno Mages. But um, I think I'm going to put Comes the Inquisitor first just because mm-hmm. for such a closed room, small, probably cost him 12 bucks to make that episode, just the performances and what it covers. And at the end, when he says, you are the right people in the right place at the right time, basically letting the audience know, these are your heroes. Buckle up. Here we go. I just I love everything about that episode so much, and Wayne Alexander is just the king in that episode. So I'm going to say comes the Inquisitor, which I wouldn't have thought I would have said. All right, let's blow through this one real quick. Least favorite episode from season two, Andy. Uh, my least episode, least favorite episode was the Long Dark. That was the lowest rated episode. I was looking back through my notes. There was a couple I gave the 1.5s to, but there was always <laughs> something in those episodes to, to redeem them. But this one, I was looking through my notes, and I had nothing at all positive to say about this episode. So, yeah, it's got to be the long dark. That's the Murdoch episode, just so everybody remembers. Correct. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that is the the yeah, that's the episode with Murdoch. The shadow servant has has come aboard the ship with the woman that Franklin tries to seduce, and we had the moment where she's fainting or whatever. He's like, "Well, my we could go to Med Lab, but my quarters are right over here." And Andy and I are like, "No." Right. Stephen, no, come on. <laughs> God. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I it, was bad on, it was bad on multiple levels. It was so, yeah, it's, that's true. I did like the Shadow Servant, though, and having to shoot him. That was kind of a cool sci fi moment. You know, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll give you mine, then I'll, and we get our other two gentlemen. I, I had a struggle between Gropos and a spider in the web, but Gropos has Dodger, and Dodger's pretty cool, and Franklin's dad, who is at least interesting. A spider in the web is the free Mars. And you're just like, just uh, Adrian Barbeau and free Mars. But it has Adrian Barbeau, so eh, they're not either one horrible. But I'm going to go with spider in the web just because the whole Mars thing was annoying. So, Nathan, what do you think? Worst episode. Oh, it's funny. It's funny that you said what you said, Van, because I actually went with Gropos. Okay. Um, just because, and again, this this is nowhere near believers bad. <laughs> like, and that's the thing. Like, season two, I don't feel like any of the episodes are bad in season two. It's just of all of them. Like, when I think back on it, I'm like, Gropos just doesn't grab me. Like, and like really, like it's just like kind of a met episode. And in a season where so many of the episodes were so good, a yeah. met episode falls to the bottom. So. That's that's how I feel about it. Fair enough, Bobby. Your least favorite? Well, my least favorite overall is Gropos. I just I, I couldn't wait for that episode to end. To be honest, I didn't like any of the characters. I didn't. It didn't go anywhere really. It was just. By the way, we have ground forces, and here's a story about them. Thank <laughs> and you. And they all get killed. <laughs> Come back next week, please. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. The Long Dark is another one, though, that I I had forgotten about. And it went a long way just to go and look. In the Book of Jaquan, there's a picture of that thing we just killed. Yep. I'm like, yep. Eh. But Gropos, I'd rather watch that one again than Gropos, honest. So Yeah, that's fair. Uh, a couple more categories and we will wrap up. Episode that surprised you the most this time. In other words... When Andy and I have been going back and watching them again, we have found that episodes we thought one way about, and then we watch them now and more analytically, and we're like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. So that happened several times in season one, and I'm just curious if it happened at all in season two. So Andy, let me start with you then. What just kind of surprised you this time that you weren't expecting? Which episode the most? You know, I really struggled with this one uh, mm-hmm. because I, I, I wasn't really sure uh, – <laughs> I'm gonna have to punt on this one, Van. I, yeah. I, it really, honestly, was a, a struggle for me to, to to come up with one that really, honestly, surprised me. It um, was a it was there, a long twilight struggle. Had, right. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. There, there uh. was no that. That's, I mean, there was there were some surprising moments here and there, but uh, nothing really just shocked me. Like, wow, that that really you know threw me for a loop on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, and now for a word, I guess was different yeah. um different enough yeah. but uh th- that's that's the best i could come up with i'm sorry no i think that's fair nathan what do you think struggled with this one too honestly um you know it's uh, I, I i i can't really find an episode that i felt like oh wow like yeah this didn't really like meet my expectations and it's, it was really hard for me to find you know one that was like oh i completely flipped on this episode on on this season well, I think so that what, too. yeah, I think what it really shows is that categories that made a lot of sense for season one don't work as well in season two because they're different. It really does kind of highlight how the show changes over the course of the two seasons, and that's going to be. I probably won't even ask this question for season three because, Lord, you know. Uh, but Bobby, do you have any thoughts about it? Well, I didn't rewatch, but right. um, I will say that that I'll I'll point out something I wanted to bring up. There's a really kind of minor character who shows up later who first appears in an episode here, and I didn't even realize it until I rewatched later. And that's in one of the episodes I really don't like, which is All Alone in the Night. Because mm-hmm. isn't it the first time that Talon shows up? Yes. 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 And, and he's a great character later on. Yes. So. Yes. We yes. love Talon. And w- yeah, we, we talked about that during that, that uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because like he had, Naroon shows up in season one and then becomes such a big figure. Oh, Naroon, I love yeah. Naroon. Yeah. <laughs> well, the actor that played Talon shows up in season one as the guy that turns into the Ikaran death the machine. Yeah, but then he gets to come back as a Narn with a samurai sword, and you just can't go wrong with a Narn with a samurai sword, so that was pretty darn cool. Yeah, we love Talon. I used his card in the Battle 5 card game all the time because he was just such a cool character. Mm-hmm. Um I had I actually had an answer for this one, which was Confessions and Lamentations. Going into this the rewatch, it's been quite a few years since I watched the entire series. I've told Andy that I've I've gone back and watched certain episodes several times that I knew I really liked, but I haven't watched all of them all the way through till now. And I had forgot Confessions and Lamentations was one of those episodes. Andy, you and I have talked about how there are certain episodes where I read the title and I know exactly what it is. Like Comes the Inquisitor, right? You know exactly what happened. Or The Coming of Shadows, you know exactly what happens. But there are some that sound like a 90s James Bond movie where it's Die a Death of Tomorrow's Today or something. You're like, I have no idea which one that is, right? Okay, 
Confessions and Lamentations, you could have said, that's the one where Nerun comes selling encyclopedias. I'd be like, oh, okay, sure. Well, no, it's the one where the entire Markab race is dead because they think that everybody else's corruption is going to kill them and they're going to go lock themselves in a closed room with a virus. And Andy and I both, you remember this, Andy? You and I were just on the floor with how hard that episode hits now, right? Yes, I, I, I do agree with that. Yeah, that, that the impact of that show was pretty significant giving today's uh, yes. current events. Yes, the politics which, which is of funny it because it, I think it was supposed to be more of an allegory for like HIV AIDS. Yes, which is a completely different kind of virus to what yes. we're going through now. Right. But yeah, it's because it yeah. was all about the morality and everything, mm, which is what people morality. said about AIDS. And yet the po- this see the politics of it didn't hit us last time. It was the morality thing. This time it was the politics of it that hit us. And and I'm just like, man, he was a visionary. I don't know how JMS came up with this. And also. We also noted that episode is shot so well. Again, Andy, you remember we talked about this, that there, there's like a, there's a sequence where the little Markab girl, the little child, like about eight years old, and they film her looking up and just, a, and it, you know, the B5 security guys in every other episode are just these dudes, just dudes you might go have a beer with, you know, in their gray suits with the black stripe. And in this episode, you're seeing from this little girl's eyes when she's scared and alone, and the B-5 security guards look like giant monsters looming over her. That is the camera work, the cinematography and everything really surprised me, even for this show. I was so impressed with how they were able to take our famous spray-painted plywood sets and everything and make (laughs) something that really was that effective. So I applaud them for that. I thought that was really well done. And I don't even remember who directed it. We said on the last episode, on that episode, we gave him the credit. Right. And All right. So yeah, go ahead. I, I will say, I will say that the most surprising moment in season two was the, uh, the one moment of beautiful <laughs> silent, moment of or perfect beauty. It? Yeah. The one moment of perfect beauty that, that really <laughs> surprised me. I thought that was super cool. One moment of perfect beauty. And it was Pac opera. Singing, yeah. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. You wouldn't want to like go to the opera with them, but you don't mind hearing a performance. <laughs> so we got Pac Morale Opera and Narn Opera too, right? And then and Centauri the, the, the Opera. Technomage Curse. And yeah, yeah. Centauri Opera as well. Centauri Opera, because we talked about how like was it Christopher Frankie actually wrote that and they practiced yep. it. Where they're like, that whole business. They had it down just perfect. It was great. Yeah. All right. Well, and we're all to our alien, all these alien races operas are much better than their martial arts. <laughs> the Muay We haven't talked about the We almost dang it, Andy. We almost made it through the whole episode without having to talk about the Muay Dang it, Smith, Smith, Smith. That was so bad. It's even lingered. Its its odor has lingered over into season two's show. Oh my gosh! All right, last one, and we'll get out of here. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Who won season two? And I'm gonna I'm gonna save Andy for last because uh, he's the man. So Nathan, who won season two? All right, I've got I've got I've got a few answers for this one. So first up, Sheridan's hair. <laughs> <laughs> Smiling Johnny. If you ever notice, 
Bruce Boxleitner's hair is always perfectly, even when he's been in an explosion or something, he'll have like one bit of hair that's like perfectly like moosed or sprayed, like kind of out of place. But the amount of care that they took with that man's hair is just something that a friend of mine pointed it out to me. I'm kind of sad that I showed him D5 now because now for four seasons of the show, all I can do is stare at Bruce Boxleitner's hair every time he's in a scene and notice like how like beautifully like like you know <laughs> done his and, hair is and how he never lets one be out of and, place. And it changes from season to season because yes. by season four he's got like the the marine, you know, the mm. the tight sides and everything. It keeps changing. Um, but but it is always perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever yes. style he's doing, it is always perfect. You know what's funny right, you but- say that you it's funny you say that because when I when I um when I was the 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 moderator for the panel with him and and Delin at DragonCon a few years ago he came in and was talking to me and his hair was really blonde mm-hmm. and I didn't even say anything and he just he says he says yeah when they took when they asked me to come here I went and got some hair coloring and put a little blonde back in because it's white, you know, mm-hmm. and he had it all blonded back in. So he thinks about it even now. I thought that was kind of interesting. So. <laughs> it's part of Sheridan. such a part of Sheridan's character that he has yeah. to have perfect hair. Had to do it. But uh, And my other kind of silly answer, but I, I actually think there's some merit to this, is I think Sinclair benefited a lot from being off the show and becoming like sort of a mythical figure almost like like he's the guy running the rangers from the background and the mystique that sort of grows around uh sinclair i think like his character really benefited from that that's legit yeah but when we but when we talk about who won the 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 season i i think it's jakar and and the reason why i say jakar is not only does he have a lot that happens to him in this season and have to go through we already talked about the scene where he has to go begging you know, for help. We talked about the scene in the elevator, dead, 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 you know, like, like great performance, but this is the season that primes Jakar to be the sort of perfect version of the character that we get in the later seasons. Without what happened in this season, Jakar doesn't become that guy. And, and, you know, I have a lot of time for Jakar as a character in, in the last three seasons where I think he has such a perfect arc uh, so yeah, I, I think that because of that, like Jakar won this season. Well put, well put, Bobby. Who won this season? So I, I think uh, no jokes. I can't think of any jokes actually. Um, I think it's Sheridan. I think Sheridan came in. You know, Bruce Boxleitner came in filling a role that that as fans you were like, wait, they they already changed the the main lead, the the hero we're trying to connect to. And um, I think by the end of the season, he's the hero we want to follow through the rest of the series. And he, you know, he starts out and I think somebody talked about it. He starts out and he's just all happy and he's, you know, just running his station. But as he gets more and more and starts, gets more and more into it and starts to realize the stuff that's going on underneath, he becomes more and more serious. But he's always got um, this integrity, except when he held Morden. Yeah, and he severe. He apologized for that. He even got Garibaldi to quit and got him to come back. But mm-hmm. um, he's got this integrity that you want out of that hero that's going to guide you through whatever happens all the rest of the way, while all the other characters are going through these dramatic shades of gray and you know that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like he gave a, fa- a, a, a foundation that we as the viewers could hang on to 
by the end of the season to want to go further in the in the series. Yeah, he had a hurdle he had to jump, which is pick up the baton from the the guy who just had a whole year to establish as the leading man, and you got to come in and like start it all over again, and 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 get and establish yourself so that we can get the main story going again with a different person. That's I, I yeah, and he he did it effortlessly. I thought I think that's fair. Um, I'll do mine. I'm gonna save Andy for last. I said Andy, you can wrap us up. I'm gonna say that the probably who won season two. My real answer is John and Delenn because they become the instruments of the resistance to the darkness and the leaders of the army of light. And that's pretty cool. You kind of win a lot when you win that. But I think the other kind of hidden winner of season two, and of course this is going to change, presumably, the other real winner for season two was President Clark. Because when season two ends, he's winning everywhere that he needs to win. You know, he's got the telepath, the psychor behind him. He's got the night watch in place on Babylon 5. Um, he's working with all the baddies, you know, and, um, I wish we saw more of him. I wish he had been more, if we do get the reboot, one of the things Andy and I have talked about is if they, if they do the reboot, one thing we would like them to do differently is to show us more of what's going on on earth as the fascism rises. I'd like to see the stuff that Clark actually does to put himself in power and hold himself in power. Cause we only got like third-hand accounts occasionally on the station. And we, they, they're not afraid to go to Centauri Prime or to go to Narn or wherever, so let's go to Earth and let's see a couple of things going on there. That's one thing I would think would be neat. Um, Andy, who won season two? Bring us home. Well, I, it certainly wasn't Jakar in my mind because Jakar lost everything. He lost his job. He lost his, his respectability. He lost his entire planet. So I, I couldn't give it to him. Um, it wasn't Lando because even though he gained everything that he thought he wanted, like Nathan said, he was more alone at the end of the season than he was at the beginning of the season. Um, it certainly wasn't Warren Keffer because his <laughs> meteoric rise was cut short violently there at the very end. Such a, um, a character so with I, such potential. <laughs> he he did. He was the he was the maverick of of this series, and I'm so sad that he went out the way that he did. But that's that's a that's for a, another podcast altogether. Um, I I would have to go with uh, Sheridan and Delenn because at ultimately you know they both started out the season uh, not knowing you know in entirely new roles not knowing where to go from you know where they were and by the end of the season they were you know very specifically told that they were the right people mm-hmm. for the job at this time. So and and as Van mentioned you know. That gave us our heroes for the rest of the series. Really so I did. think I think they were lined up perfectly for for winning. Love it. Well, I think we pretty much agree for the most part. So that was good, um, gentlemen. Any final thoughts? Anybody have any final thoughts to kind of close out season two? Or are we happy? I'm happy. I'm totally happy. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for season three for sure. The the best episode of the whole series is coming up in season three. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Like, like I struggled for answering some of these questions in season three, but I know already what my answers are for season three, <laughs> other than possibly like the one uh, that you changed your mind. Oh, but we said we weren't going to do that one. I, yeah. I, I, I watched that episode over and over and over again after it came out. <laughs> Exogenesis, looking- baby. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm, I'm looking forward even more to our season three wrap-up show. That, that's going to be a fun one. It will. It will. All right. All right. Andy, you and I will be back in two weeks with 301 and 302. And off the top of my head, I can't even remember what they're called. I always say the names, but 
I don't have it in front of me, and I'm not going to waste any more time looking. Matters but of honor and convictions. Matters I, of honor I, and convictions. I have it here. <laughs> and, and this is, thank you, and this is a great example of how the show rises up to a big finish at the end of the season and then kind of starts back small again. We have to work our way back up. So that's fine. So in, in, in two weeks, we'll be talking about two, yeah, they're kicking off season three. We're going to be a little episodic again, and that's, a, that's not a bad thing. We'll have fun with it. So, guys, thank you so much for coming on again, and we will talk, we'll all convene again at the end of season three. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks for having Take me. Take care, everybody. Bye. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production.